Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Teresa Kitchens. I'm here every single week with you, and we do have a new episode every single Wednesday. And today we are talking to an amazing woman out of Cal, uh, sorry, California. What am I thinking? Oklahoma, like nowhere near California, but Oklahoma. <laughs> and she's been working with the young agents um, over there with the with the state with the of Oklahoma. She is a commercial insurance producer. She is a rock star, and she is actually this past year has been nominated to be the next under th- next gen under 30 class winner so we are excited to be able to have her with us today Krista Kautz how are you jo- thank you for joining us today I'm good I'm good thank you so much for for having me and um, for the listeners we're starting you know first thing in the morning so I'm we are. just sipping on my coffee ready for my coffee talk <laughs> I love it I love it well I got my morning I don't know water I need to go get my diet Dr. Pepper because yeah, that's my that's my jam yep so Krista tell us yep. a little bit about you you are um newish to the industry you've been around for a little while but you've not you know you've never been around for like 40 years right obviously but um i'm excited because we are all about um propelling women and women of the next generation into the insurance space and i'm excited that you have found the insurance space tell me how you got where you are today absolutely so it's actually my i'm you're either People in the industry get in the industry for one, you know, in one of two ways. One, you randomly, um, it's just, it's just chance. You, you stumble into it and you're here. And the other way is that your family pulled you into it. They dragged you into it or (laughs) they talked you into it. Kicking and screaming. So exactly. So for me, it was definitely the chance. Um, I just happened to know somebody that he was, he was kind of in the friend group um, in my husband's friend group at the time, he was my, you know, my boyfriend at the time. And, um, he was managing a, a set of townhouses and we moved into that townhouse and he lived just two doors down. And so we would all get together and I would be talking about, uh, my job at the time. I was a front desk clerk at a hotel and we, one day I was just kind of tired of it. It was, and it wasn't that I didn't love my guests. It's not that I didn't love the people. Um, I just got tired because there was nothing else to learn. And he was like, you mm. know what? It This, the insurance industry would be perfect for you because you learn something new every day. doesn't matter how every long day. Yep. you learn something new every single day. Um, which was kind of crazy to me. Um, at the time, because I had always thought that insurance was in my mind, I always related insurance agents to like your CPAs, your attorneys, yep. like those really smart informational, like lovers, they love information and they're really good at just sitting there and reading a policy. I thought that that was crazy, um, that there's no way that I could do something like that. Right. Um, but it was, it was a data entry and receptionist position. So I'm like, well, let's just give this a shot. and and see how it goes. And he actually had to, he had to pester me quite a bit to get my, 
to get me to go in and turn in my resume. Wow. So I was just, I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> to be well, more, it's, I was, it's I a was whole scared. new industry. It's a whole new everything. And to do a lot in the industry, you have to get licensed. You have to be able to do that, you know, continuing education and all that. So it is, it's, it's a project. I mean, to get into the insurance industry, it's a, it's a project. It's not a, you know, it's not a, a passing thing in general and not to be good at it. Right. Exactly. And at the time I remember, you know, and again, it was just a receptionist and data entry position. So I didn't have to be licensed. I didn't have to get licensed, but he was like, "Mm, you can get licensed if you know. Um, But about a month after I had started, um, one of the account managers um, came out and said, hey, um, I'm expecting. And so I will have to go on to maternity leave. And I remember the day he came and sat at my desk and he goes, I need you to get licensed and, um, and if you can. And so I did, I went, I took, I took the class, I, the prep class, um, I took the test passed first try. Um, and then he said, okay, so here, you know, let's start getting your training in for your account manager work. We started getting that training in and he was like, well, once she goes on leave, cause this was her producer. Mm-hmm. Once she goes on leave, like I, I basically don't want to feel like she's gone. Wow. And that was just, I just had this wave of overwhelm hit me. And so, um, immediately from the beginning, he was, you know, he was constantly challenging me. And so I did that account manager job for about four years, four and a half years. Okay. And kind of like the hotel portion, there was just something I knew I loved insurance, but it just wasn't quite a fit. Okay. And I had had another partner of the agency who quickly became one, you know, I, he's still my mentor today, but, um, and he was actually the chairman of, um, big eye of Oklahoma, okay. um, this last year. So he's past here this year. But he, you know, he kept telling me, he was like, you would be a really great in-house producer. And I'm like, no, no. And he's like, well, we've got it. I mean, if you're interested in it. And at the time I was like, I I just don't know if I could do that. All those what ifs, they were, they were just floating around of like, what, I mean, what if I fail? And that was the mm. number one thing. What if I fail? Well, I think, and even I then, think it's scary to be able to get into production. I mean, you know, so what did they expect from you to make that transition? Cause you were doing account management. What, like what pressure was there for you to be able to make that change that you had to be able to get over? Because it's a mind shift to go from account management into production. There's a little bit more pressure. There's a little bit more expectation. There's a little bit more an ability to a need to live up to to what it is that your boss really wants on that level of things. I mean, it, it's on the account manager yeah. side as well. But what was your thought process to be able to make that change? What made you want to go over into production and be able to do it? Because it is it's a different it's almost a different personality that that people have typically if they really excel in in either either position. Well, honestly, one of the things that frustrated me as an account manager is that I wanted to make the calls. Ah. I wanted to say where we're putting the business. I wanted to call the client and present it to them. So I was, to an extent, I was already producing. I just really didn't know it at the time in hindsight. Um, 
I didn't know that I was pretty much already acting like an in-house producer. Um, but the account manager work, like trying to do the account manager work and trying to, you know, whether it be cross sell or, you know, again, wanting to present the quotes, wanting to have that relationship and wanting to develop strategies. I was already, I was doing it all. I Um, love it. So and I, I was just getting really bored with the processing side of it. The, you know, a, you know, making sure a document is labeled the right way and just, just the little details. I just, I hated filling out a court apps. Yep. I hated sending certificates. It was, you know, I just, I had already learned it. So, because that was part of what I liked in the beginning was that it was something new that I was learning. And so that's what really, you know, fueled me. But after four years, I, again, I just, I was getting bored. And so I thought, you know, I had seen a wholesaler and they had a position open for an associate underwriter. And in my mind, underwriter equals production. Okay. I don't know why, but at the time that's, that's what I thought. Um, and my mentor and it's coming to name drop here, but Stuart Barong, um, he told me, he said, um, I don't know why you're making this jump while you're leaving to this wholesaler to be an associate underwriter, because it's basically the same position. Everything you have told me of what you're going to go do, it is a lateral move and you will be doing the exact same thing but on the company side, I get over there and about the six month mark, I'm sitting here going, I'm doing the same thing, but on the company <laughs> side. Right. Right. And, um, they had had a, the producer, uh, they opened up a producer position because they had filled that position while I was an account manager because okay. I had, I backed out. I didn't want to do it. Right. Um, they filled that position and that person decided that that wasn't the position for them. And they, they went elsewhere. Okay. Well, I saw the position open and I'm over here and I'm like, well, I want to be in production. So I went to one of my managers and was like, what's the likelihood of me moving up and being a production underwriter? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's about a 10 year move. It's going to take you 10 years, you know, and I mean, they're like, we'd be surprised if you if you could pull it off in five years. Like, that's a big move. Yeah. And um, yeah, no. Um, I'm, I'm young. I'm impatient. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to spend 10 years in an associate position. I can't, this is driving me nuts. I've been yep. already been doing this for four years. I just switched sides. I can't, I can't. And right. so, um, I reached back out to the agency and said, Hey, I noticed this position is open. And for some reason on that company side, I I just, I developed confidence on that side. Good. And I don't, I don't have really an exact moment of whenever that confidence had hit. But whenever I talked to one of the agency partners, I said, I know I'm a great fit for this position and I'm going to be great at it. Nice. I'm, I'm going to do this. So you are doing commercial sales and that is scary for a lot of people because it's, it's big, it's different. Every single risk is a little bit different, right? You, you rarely ever have Mm -hmm. 
two identical businesses, two identical business owners, two identical, identical processes, you know, groups of people that you work with, so on and so forth. So getting into commercial, how did you really, like you're talking about, get that confidence? Because I think a lot of people struggle because the insurance side of the world, we have a lot of classes we can take. We have a lot of uh, group of of things we can do, but it's still up to us to be able to get out there and connect and build relationship and close the deal. So how did you go from that, get that confidence? Because like what you were saying, there was something there, maybe you don't know exactly when it happened, but what mental process do you think you went through to be ready to be a commercial line sales producer? Because that's, it's just a big, bold move because I think a lot of people are really scared by commercial insurance. I think for me is just admitting that you don't know everything. Mm, okay. Admitting to yourself that I don't know, I I, I don't know everything. I, I guess because I looked up to my agency partners like so much, like the agency owners, and they were producers. They've been in this industry, every single one of them, 10 years at this point. And, you know, and obviously some a lot longer, but they just always seemed to be really knowledgeable, but it was whenever I went to that company side and I would have agents call me all the time and ask me, do you know information on this? How do I do this? And it was the fact that I had all these agents that they were out there, they're a commercial lines producer. They're just trying to figure things out just like you are. Yep. And And so I've learned since being back on this side, you got to find those agents to talk to. You've got to be able to help each other. Mm. And, you know, I know that a lot of people have a hard time talking to their competitors, but, and I mean, I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. He's on the young agents committee, but I don't, I'm oblivious whenever it comes to bonds. Right. I bonds are hard. They are so hard. And if you work with contractors, you're going to have to deal with bonds at some point. And I call, like, I pick up the phone and I call him of like, is this really, is it really supposed to be this hard to write a bond? Like this lady just sent me an eight page application. Is that normal? (laughs) How do I fill out this application? And not only is this application, but they want financials and I'm just and. I'm like, how do you do this? And he goes, oh, yeah, no. Like, I can usually write one of those in a day. And I'm like, how do you write one of those in a day? Yeah. He's like, well, usually they come to me with all the information. I'm like, ah, you've got more knowledgeable clients than I do. <laughs> yeah, so, right. They don't have to go so look for it and search calling, for it. Right. But I know that that's his specialty. That's his, that's his, like, his agency specialty. Okay. And so I'm going to call the person that this is their specialty. They They understand it. Um, just like I would prefer somebody, um, you know, I have a lot of knowledge in oil and gas and some trucking because my dad was, has been both my entire life. Um, but I would rather someone pick up the phone and ask me the question of, Hey, I, this may seem like a silly or really dumb question, but how does this work? Mm -hmm. Do they need this? How do I make sure I take care of them in this scenario? So just, again, just being willing to admit to yourself, I don't know everything, but I might know someone that knows this. 
I love that. And taking and being able to step up and, and ask those questions is super important to being able to grow because I think it's when we don't ask those questions and we want to pretend like we know everything that we are going to get so many things wrong and we're going to end up burning some bridges and we're not going to do the best by our clients and we're not going to do the best by our team members either because we're not doing the job the right way. And I love the fact that you are talking about asking questions, asking for help, asking how can I do more? How can I do something different? And you're constantly working that ability to be able to do what's best for you and for the client. I think that's great. Exactly. And so, I mean, even whenever it comes to taking like my CIC, I have been terrified of the CIC Yep. because everyone says it is that written form. And I, I was just like, I'm not, I was not good in school whenever it came to like written, like non multiple choice tests. Um, <laughs> and I, and I mean, I'm selling myself short and I, and I do, I, I, I'm very hard on myself, but I mean, I graduated in a class of 40, but I was still the salutatorian. Okay. So, I mean, obviously I could take tests. I didn't like testing. And so that was my main fear. And I get in and start taking like a, a, my CIC test. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is just like writing an email to my client. Right. And them asking a coverage question. I yep. just have to remember it and I can't look in the book. But <laughs> right. I've even told my clients, I'm like, um, on that particular, like I'm a little bit fuzzy. So like if I'm trying to sell cyber, Okay, let me let me go refresh on my cyber knowledge real quick and then I'll come back to you. Like it even to my clients. I don't pretend to know everything. I love that at all. I love that. So what do you love about commercial insurance? What do you love about being in that space? Being a jack of all trades. You can learn something new all the time. Yeah. All the time. I I mean and even if it's just like a tree trimmer or, and I mean, I do a lot of flow hands in the oil and gas industry. And these okay. are one man contractors. They really don't have employees. And a lot of them, will, you know, will start to work their way up in their industry by either getting subcontractors underneath them or they'll, you know, start trying to work towards, in, you know, an engineering degree and try to go into, con you know, consulting or try to move up that ladder a little bit. And so taking this journey with them, you know, we kind of talk about the the shift and their risks. And okay. so that's, even though I do these, this, this every single day, I have two to three of these guys coming in and I've created kind of like a referral program with them. Uh, well, not really like a marketing program. They pass around like a little flyer that I just created one day. It was just, oh, hey, nice. I have this idea to throw, throw my picture, you know, throw my account manager's picture on there. Let's throw our phone numbers on there and send it out. I just, that's awesome. I don't know if it was from all the sales classes that I've taken, you know, and, and set in seminars and motivate and talk, you know, listen to motivational speakers, but I did it and it's circulating around their industry. And Again, I work with these guys every single day, but every single one of them is different. And mm -hmm. so it's finding the personality. And some of them aren't a good client. Like they're not a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. Some of them want the cheapest that they can get. 
and they also like don't want to have proper coverage and they don't want to pay their bills. Right. And, you know, and there's been a couple where they're like, you know, I I only need this policy for three days just to send uh, a certificate uh, uh. and then I'll cancel it. And I'm right. Like, nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> so learning that side of it too, of like how to say no to a client as well. And that's really that's hard, hard, especially when people are, are getting started and they're hungry, right? And they're trying to sell and they're like, but I just want more quality clients, you know? I mean, yes. saying no is so hard because you want to sell, you want to be able to get them in there. But at the same point, I think, did you have to get on the other side of that, make some bad decisions and go, oh my gosh, I never should have written this person. I knew that that was good, not a good client when I wrote them. Did you have to like, experience it firsthand or were you pretty aware that whenever maybe your team member said, Hey, you know, you don't want, you know, challenging business. It's not going to be financially good for you or personally good for your book. Did you have to, because I think, I think most of us have kind of jumped in that pool of writing some business that we knew we shouldn't have written. And then we get our hands slapped for the work or the time or the clients are just cruddy. And then we're grateful when they leave and we go, I'm never going to do that again. I don't know. I think some of us have to have to unfortunately be burned before we make those decisions. So I did get burned, but I got burned as an account manager. Oh, okay. The producer would just cut this person out. Like just, just no, I'm tired of this. And, you know, and I've, you know, walked into another account manager's office before, and she was talking about how her producer was doing the same thing to her. And it was a similar producer. Um, I mean, they're all family, so, you know, they all have similar traits, but, um, she was talking about like, I really wish that, you know, this guy keeps letting his policy cancel and then we take him back and then he lets his policy cancel and then we take him back. And she was like, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of rewriting this guy. And she was getting so frustrated and she was getting overwhelmed and it, you know, I had, I, I was definitely empathetic because I've been there. I've been frustrated as an account manager that my producer just wouldn't cut the tie with this person. Like, I understand that you, you want the, you want the business, right? but it, it comes at a price and you know, you're wasting your time. You're, you're actually losing money and agency yep. resources by wasting your time on this person. And so treating it like that as your time is, your time is money and your, your time, you can never get it back once you've wasted your time. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, I mean, money, you could always go make some more money, but (laughs) yeah, but time you, you can never unhear these conversations or you can never, you know, undo the fact that you spent time on this client whenever you should have, you should have cut them. Mm-hmm. When and you could have in that time that you spent on them, you actually could have bound three or four good clients, right? By babysitting right. this bad client. That's and true. So, in our agency, we are working on doing that shift of um, starting to work on attracting the right type of client for us. Mm. I think it's a really big challenge so, for everybody, just across the board. You know, because because a lot of different reasons, but it, it is, it's hard. And sometimes you don't realize that they're going to be a bad client until you're already into it. But taking them back repetitively yep. is a different conversation, right? Because sometimes they, they act like they're wonderful on the front end and then they turn out to be just a challenging 
whatever, maybe how they deal with conflict if they're having a bad day. Maybe all of a sudden you realize further in that they're a screamer or something, you know, that they they call and they just blow up rather than dealing with the problem or, you know, whatever it might be. But I think being aware of that is also what I call the happy factor in the agency, right? It's also, I want to enjoy my job. I want my team members to enjoy their job. And if we're constantly writing bad business or taking people back that are just challenging clients or all of those things, it's kind of like, you know, we see the caller ID on our phone. We're like, oh, you know, and you answer the phone. Yeah, we all have those clients. (laughs) We all have those clients where we all go, uh, or like when you answer the phone, you hear their voice, you're like, why did I answer the phone? You know, and you just have this, you know, let down when you know that it's them. And I, I really want to be able to build a business that, that we have very few of that, very, very few of that. So I love the fact that you're really yeah. focusing on good quality business. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Well, and I think that it's important, especially with the with your account managers, like they're the ones that have to actually talk to these people every single day. Yep. But I mean, I have been I've been through several scenarios with with producers. And so I think with me having that account manager background, I think that's what sets me apart from most producers. Yeah. And so I would have to agree um, that that probably gives you a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. I will say my number one pet peeve though, is one of my clients treating my account manager poorly. Yep. Either yelling at them or calling back to back to back to back to back. And I mean, just within minutes. And that's that right there is immediately like, no, that you're not going to treat my account manager like that because they are the one that does all this work for you. I'm here to keep the relationship, but do not treat them poorly. Absolutely. And do not be condescending. And so I've had even just somebody like calling in and treating the receptionist poorly. I, mm -mm, that's, that's whenever I get very blunt and very mean right back because I'm like, this is, you need to call someone else because you're not going to treat her. You're not going to talk to her people like that. So how do you deal with that? Because I think okay. that's a challenge that a lot of people shirk away from is the, the honest conversation that the, you need to maybe have with that client. Do you find that the clients are pretty open to that? They go, Oh, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I'm so sorry. Or do you find that they kind of fight back sometimes? How do you, how do you deal with that? Because that confrontation um, cause you have the relationship with the client. Uh, I mean, you both do. I mean, an account manager does as well because they deal with the day to day stuff usually, but you know, that agent really has that relationship. You've built it, you know, their business, you know, really well. How do you deal with that conflict? It depends on the client and my agency owners will be the first to tell you that if, um, tell any of us, nobody does in none of their staff deserves to be cussed at. Correct. And yeah, and no, to I be, correct. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as, you know, like them being demeaning and using derogatory terms. 
so that's the first thing of like, if someone's going to start using that, I'm a little bit rougher with them. I'm a lot more blunt and a lot more confrontational. I mean, I pretty much tell them to stop calling us and to call someone else because it's not that we're not, okay. a, we're not a fit. Wow. And, and usually the people that are doing this aren't even clients yet. Right. Um, I've had a client that there was a, just a clear miscommunication and so with those type of um, scenarios, it's, hey, what's going on? I mean, I just call them, hey, I'm I'm hearing some feedback from the account manager that we're, we're having a little bit of difficulty doing, you know, issuing these auto IDs. Tell me what's going on. Like explain to, you know, explain to me what, what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so just getting them to kind of talk about it. And I've had some that are like, you know what? I shouldn't have blown up. Nice. I I really shouldn't have, but I was very frustrated. I and then that's when they start telling me, my dog just died. My Yeah, my usually there's some other stuff that goes weeks. into it. Yeah. There's there's always a reason. And yeah. so I, you know, and it's like, hey, this is kind of out of characteristic for you. Like, what is going on? Um, how are you doing? You know, let's, let's have a conversation. And so um, it doesn't matter if you're the first, it doesn't matter what position you are in, um, in the agency, always being that second person to call and say, Hey, what's going on? And, and I mean, that's really, really it. Yeah. It's just having that follow-up conversation. So if there's somebody that I'm having trouble with, you know, I'll have my agency owner set in with me. Okay. And, you know, I've had an agency owner go on a client visit before of like, Hey, this is, and it, honestly, it was my first client visit. Um, okay. And as a producer. And so I'm like, you know, it's up to me to run this meeting and to get everybody back onto the same page. So I would like for you to be present to help guide me in this a little bit. Um, But that's another thing is that having somebody there to coach you of how to carry on these conversations. Mm -hmm. That has been absolutely um, a, one of the main um, pillars to the success that I have had. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is 100% it is having some, it being vulnerable enough because no, you don't want somebody to tell you after how you could have done better. Right. That, that vulnerability and that, you know, that ability to not get defensive, which I do. Um, I I do do. defensive sometimes, but having that other person that will say, I don't need you to get defensive on this. I'm just trying to tell you how you could have been better. You did not do, this is not me saying you did a bad job, but this is how you can do better. This is how you can improve. And when I get constructive feedback, okay, whenever I get that constructive feedback, like you're talking about, I was, you know, my husband's always like, I hate the word criticism. So, you know, instead of constructive criticism or whatever, I have to remember Sometimes I breathe and I just sit back and I go breathe, just accept, just take in. And the whole time I'm talking to myself and I'm like, just take it, just breathe in. Just, just, you can decide what you choose to do with this information. Like, you don't, 
like Teresa, you do not have to do everything this person says, but you're here to receive. You're here to just receive. And then you can make a decision how you want to be able to process that information. If it's really something you feel like you need to do or not, but it's your job to right now just receive. And I, and I, cause I get so, I think I've let the person down if they are somehow telling me that I could be better. And so I get very yes. like, tense and I need to go defend myself. And, but this is what I was thinking, but this is what I, but this is why, you know, and, and I'm always looking to respond to that feedback rather than to receive that feedback. And as an adult, I just have really struggled with that. I mean, as a, as a younger person, I think that I was more open to constructive feedback, but as an adult, I'm like, no, I know what I'm doing. And we feel like we need to be just that super professional who knows everything. So whenever we get that type of feedback, sometimes it gets really scary and we want to go defend ourselves. And I know that for me, I just have to sit back and just go, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. It's almost like namaste. Thank you. <laughs> namaste. Thank you. you know? I know. It's really, really hard though. Hard. And if you're somebody that has to process something yep. because, and, and for me, um, and I'm the first to admit to anybody that talks to me more than, you know, a, a few minutes that I, I do have anxiety. Um, it is diagnosed. It's not diagnosed. But in my anxiety will start to tell me like it, it starts to try to take a negative turn sometimes. Yep. And so being I, it takes me a minute to process. And so how to slow that that side down and then to be able to open up to receive. Mm-hmm. So um, being willing to admit that you need time to process if you are somebody that needs to process something that's that is absolutely OK. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And usually if you're talking to somebody and I mean, even just think like if you say that to them of, Hey, I appreciate what you're saying. Let me chew on that. Let me process that for a little bit. Most of the time they're going to be like, you know what? Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely take all the time you need before you, before you respond. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we really grow is when we process, right? Because there's a lot of times when we get a little bit of a distance from something that I go, you know, I could have done better. I could have done blank. I should, I maybe, and I don't like the word should, but maybe I could have done that. Maybe I, maybe that would have been a better choice. Right. And then you can file it away in the back of your mind and make sure that you've tried to utilize that at a later time. But sometimes I need the distance to be really open to the idea of truly receiving what it is that another person says. And I almost need to be like out of their space to put, like you said, to process it. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I learned most recently is that if you still need more time to process, tell the person that you still need Mm. more time to process because it's better than having a frustrating conversation. Like you're still frustrated and then trying Mm. to act like you're not frustrated. That is, I am an open book. Um, So if I'm frustrated, I am a very passionate person. So it it just, it'll eventually come out. And I mean, the most important thing though, is for me, I've been taking communication courses. Anytime I I find somebody putting on a seminar that has something to do with communication, that has been really valuable because I've learned that how to, some people, if they have an issue, they might not express it to you. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm somebody that if I have an issue, I'm going to tell you, Hey, I (laughs) have this issue. Um, or, Hey, there's this, you guys implemented this new 
you know, this new process, it does not make sense. Like I'm going to be the first to tell you that where I learned that others aren't like that. Other people aren't like that. Some people are like, nope, I'm just doing what I'm told to do. And there's a better way that we could do this, but I'm not going to say anything. And it's like, why, why wouldn't you say something? I don't understand. (laughs) Just say something. If I'm doing something, especially tell me, tell me, Hey, that's, you could be doing this better or, Hey, it really peeves me whenever you do this. But a lot of people, not a lot, but there are certain people that just don't step up and tell you that. I mean, and then they, and then they, they harbor those thoughts and those feelings, but we need to communicate because that's how we are better together at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I think one of those things is being able to like, understand that not everyone processes things the same way Mm -hmm. you do and communicates. And so having that time for a person like me, I'm very straightforward. Let's go. Um, and being able to go, oh, wait, this person isn't like this, that you have to pull it out of them. You have to ask them questions, leading questions. And so having to study those leading questions is really, and and trying to remember that in the moment, it takes a lot of practice because it just doesn't come naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have, you were a nominee this year for the next generation under 30 award with the, uh, yes. the big eye of Oklahoma. So tell me about how you got involved with the big eye and tell me a little bit about what it's done for you, because I think a lot of people get scared about the idea of, oh, I don't need to spend time out of the office with a group of insurance agents, or they, they don't, they don't spend the time in the big eye or in those types of organizations. So tell me a little bit about the big eye. Tell me about your role in it and tell me a little bit about what you're doing over there. There is so much that your state association can do for you. And if you are not a member yet, you got to be a member. There's so much benefit. Like you, even though you are, yes, you do have dues that you have to pay. I promise you it it will definitely work out in your favor. Most right. certainly. And, and and another thing is is if you're just if you're just paying the dues and then not getting involved, not using, I mean you're just you are throwing money away. But you're not only throwing money away, you're throwing opportunities away, a lot of opportunities. Mm. I mean the and I mean even the big eye on a national level has a lot of marketing opportunities to grow your business. So for me, the big eye has really opened up a whole network of people, and it's honestly some of my closest relationships. Some of my best friends have come out of getting involved in the big eye, and nice. every everyone asks me like how I just I still can't understand how do you go and talk to your competitor. Well, I'm not saying, hey, here's my client's name and number. Go call them right now and <laughs> right. try to go get them. It's not like like you can have a conversation with them and ask them, hey, I've got a, you know, XYZ type contractor and I'm not used to doing it. This is my understanding of it, but I know you do this all the time. Tell me, yep. like, tell me what you see on a small scale and on a big scale. And they're going to tell you because we're insurance people. We like to talk. <laughs> we like to, we, we do. Uh, you just have to ask the question. So yeah, the big eye really has done a lot and contributed a lot to the success I have had. 
whether it be that they host the CE classes. And um, the Future Insurance Leaders of Oklahoma was my first inkling of I actually might be a producer. Um, <laughs> I might be a producer personality. And I think that might be something I might work towards one day. One day. That was five years ago. And that day um, came. It did. And so I was a part of the 2018 Future Insurance Leaders of Oklahoma. And we had sales classes, we had leadership classes, um, you know, how to work with your team and that communication. And we had underwriting classes, we had claims, we had a claims seminar. Nice. So there's all kinds of different aspects to the industry that were a part of this program. And we even went to the Oklahoma Insurance Department and learned what do they do? Why are they here? What can they do for us? We got involved in the community and did a community service project. So from there, I moved up to the Young Agents Committee because that's where we pull. That's who we pull from as the future insurance leaders of Oklahoma. And immediately, whenever we're looking at somebody to join the committee, even we're, I mean, we're going to have a meeting today and tomorrow, actually, about this. And one of the first things we do is we pull up who has completed future insurance leaders of Oklahoma. Okay. Before we start pulling them onto the committee, because that's okay. a prerequisite for us. Yeah. And because that's where you get your initial development, your networking. And so it's who, who showed up to these? Cause I mean, you can sign up for future insurance leaders of Oklahoma all you want, but who, who was dedicated, who was going to show mm -hmm. up at every single module and get the best they, the most they could out of every single module who was engaged mm -hmm. And so we as committee members, we attend these modules and we're kind of, we are, we're, we're kind of looking, we're getting to know the, the people that are coming into the industry. Right. And so, and obviously this is all people that they're either under five years of experience or under 40. Right. And so, I mean, we have people that are coming in and it's their, like they're in their first year of owning their agency. They're yep. in their first year of being on, you know, a, someone on the company side. They got hired right out of college. So here they are in the future insurance leaders of Oklahoma. Um, so there's a lot of growth that has happened, even mm -hmm. just being in this, you know, in the young involved in the young agent side. Yeah, they really have. And we all push each other and help each other and to be each other's best that they can be. And I've had some people I would talk to and they'd be like, Krista, you can do this. Like you could do that. That's easy. Yeah. You've got it. And because that moment, that very like tiny bit of self-doubt that I had, they build me up. That's awesome. And they're like, this is the relationship we all have in Oklahoma is just amazing. And I love it. Well, I that's really going to fuel your career forward too, because it gives you so many great connections, yeah. so many great people to pull from, so many, so many opportunities to really learn. Um, and then the education piece as well is just huge for yeah. being able to well, propel you into the future of your career. Exactly. And the next gen under 30 is a industry-wide, like statewide um, award 
So, I mean, you have people that are in the financial category. You have people that are in oil and gas. You have transportation. I mean, you have all these all these categories and they were pulling all of these people that were under 30 years old and to into this award and you all get together and it's another networking opportunity, mm-hmm. another net for this award. And so it's not, um, yeah, it, it was an amazing experience getting to be a part of that. And it, I, I got that opportunity because somebody saw something in this mm-hmm. industry in me in this industry. So it was like, man, that girl's awesome. She deserves to be put up for this. So that was, that was really cool. And the moment when those double doors open and you walk in and you're all dressed up and everyone's clapping and, you know, cheering for you. It's a really cool moment. That that sounds like a really, really cool moment. Like one of those that you remember forever. So what is your biggest piece of advice that you give new people, producers in the industry, maybe specifically commercial, uh, what is your biggest piece of advice that if you were to be able to sit down with a brand new producer in in the industry and they say maybe they're a year in or less, what is your biggest piece of advice that you would give to someone in the industry? That is a really heavy question. <laughs> it's a lot. And I have to say, I didn't prep you a for lot. this at all. I'm just throwing it No, no, you didn't. So I apologize. Throwing me on in there. No, no, you're good. Um, so for me, I mean, if I'm thinking about somebody coming in, if, literally just get out there and network. Go. That's how you're going to get your clients. That's how you're going to build up like a, a reputation for people to reach out to you. That's how you're going to learn. Get out there, right. get out of the office, go, don't be afraid. And I mean, if there, if you are afraid, I mean, find somebody, find somebody that's, that you're networking with and kind of stick to them. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they'll, they'll start introducing you to other people. Don't be afraid to say I'm new here. And one of the things too, with networking is a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't know anybody. I'm so scared. But I think when you get out there and you network, you run into a lot of the same people here and there. And so therefore you do Absolutely. know people whenever you end up at places. So you might end up at a networking situation that you've never been to, but usually there's one or two people that you know whenever you show up. And once you really get into it, I mean, it's going to take a little while, but once you get into the community, you end up, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stay as scary. I guess that's what I'm trying to say because of the concept that you do end up knowing people in your community and people end up you know, showing up and you end up recognizing them. Well, so the initial is hard into a new network of people. And I think in, in one of my trainings that I had specifically in um, future insurance leaders of Oklahoma, and I'll always remember it and is same. We all, we had a very similar seminar um, for my first young agents conference that I attended, but this gentleman mentioned that you have your your growth zone and you have your comfort zone. And until you step out of your comfort zone, you are never going to get into that full growth. Zone. Mm. You are going to miss out on so many opportunities because you don't step out of your comfort zone. So I had to get out recently and I didn't have to, I wanted to, but the idea was like, I wanted to join the local chamber. I want to get involved in my community. I really want to get to know the people that are in my backyard. Right. Um, it was, it was kind of hard 
going into the, you know, young professionals yep. and all these young, new young professionals, they're all from different industries. And I'm looking around and I'm going, I don't know anybody. So just having that courage to walk up to the first person. Hi, I'm new here. This is my name. This is where I'm from. This is what I do. It's, it's hard, but it's worth it. It is. It is. Well, Chris, that people- comfort zone. Well, yeah. And I think that's the key to success, right? Is to be able to get out of your comfort zone. Because like you said, and somebody once told me, and I mentioned it once or twice on this podcast, that confidence is a muscle, that the more that we exercise it, the stronger it'll be. So getting out of our comfort zone, those types of things, it's a muscle that we have to make sure that we exercise. I thought that was really good too. Absolutely. But I, I like what you said as well, that it gets easier, <laughs> right? It does get easier. It does get easier. But I love it. It's not. It's not easy being the new person. No, it's, it's not. not. But you know what? If people want to reach out to you, talk to you a little bit more about your journey in the insurance space, uh, ask you questions. How can they reach on out to you and connect with you? I mean, honestly, I'm very active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's like my Facebook page. Like, I don't really check Facebook as much as I check my LinkedIn. So. Uh, Look me up, Krista Kautz, K-R-I-S-C-A-K-A-U-T-Z. Awesome. So awesome. Pull it up and I'll I'm more than happy to talk to anybody. That's actually how, how Teresa reached out to it me. It is. So. It is because LinkedIn. I love getting on LinkedIn because you can see what people are doing professionally. And um that's how we actually connected. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite place. I love it. Well, everybody, this has been another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Please join us anywhere that you listen to podcasts on Apple iTunes. You can go to Google Podcasts. You can go to Spotify, wherever. We're going to be there. And next week, we will have another amazing woman in the insurance space. So make sure you check us out. Every single week, we have a new episode every single Wednesday. This has been the Power Women in Insurance podcast. I will check you out next week. Thanks, everybody.